As the voice of Aaron Goldhammer some months ago, hammering me to try to find out, see what I did there, Goldhammer hammering me, to try to find out where he ranks on my preferred fill-ins list. I don't think I ever divulged the information, but he's here. So he's very squarely still on the list. Congratulations, Aaron. I was the third person called tonight. Zaslow was unavailable, <laughs> and uh, you always love going to like former players and champions. All those guys were right, busy. Right. I was just sitting around the house doing nothing. I said, "Let's go off to the studio." We are here. It is Amber and Ian. Day after the conference championship game, Super Bowl <laughs> matchup is set. The third most liked fill-in in the history of Amber and Ian is here for you. I mean, if you made top three, that's pretty good, actually. You should feel okay about that. Tune into NBA action Thursday night as the Celtics host the Lakers. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So one thing I do like about Goldhammer being here is Goldhammer is an NBA guy, and I always like to get to talk some round ball with him. It sounds super cool when you call it round ball, Goldhammer. So tonight... Doc Rivers and the I'm Milwaukee the Bucks, hardwood. <laughs> right into the hardwood and the round ball and the hardwood. The Milwaukee Bucks, coached by Doc Rivers, will be taking on the Denver Nuggets. That game tipping off right now. Doc Rivers as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. How do you feel about it, Aaron Goldhammer? I haven't gotten your opinion on what went down with Doc, and I couldn't wait to talk to you about this. Well, I am very excited to watch the Bucks blow a 3-1 lead in the playoffs because I feel like it's inevitable <laughs> now that Doc Rivers is their coach. Um, I, I, I guess... I can't they made a horrible hire okay in Adrian Griffin obviously not that he couldn't have become a good coach eventually but they had a chance to like hire Nick Nurse who's won an NBA title and brings a lot of credibility to the mix and they end up going with a guy who's basically Amber got no experience and it's an abject disaster now, even though they're in is second it? place in the they're, East. That's the thing. Is but, it? But, is it really but, a disaster? But if you, the inner workings of that situation, what was happening in the locker room, the fact that the players didn't listen to him or respect him, like that tells the whole story. They had to make a change. Why wait until the end of the year when you fail? When there's an opportunity to go grab a guy off of ESPN TV and throw him right onto your bench as a coach. Here's the problem, though. <laughs> I don't think Doc is good. Like... Doc oh. Rivers was good in 2008, in but it's now 2024, and as Never much as you want to credit I, him for the I'm KG ne- Paul Pierce Ray Allen championship, to me, he's known the most for blowing it in the playoffs over and over and over again. So if I was a Bucks fan, I guess I'd be happy that we made this change. But it's not like I would put a ton of trust and faith in my coach. You know what's funny? The other teams in the East, I don't know that I trust those coaches either. Joe Mazzula, I don't know that I like him. Uh, Nick Nurse, I trust. And then Spo, of course, I trust. So. You know, but but Joe Missoula versus um, Doc Rivers, boy, that might be a. <laughs> y- y- ugh, ugh. I, I oh, okay. I, I mean, Doc's not our colleague anymore, right? So I can I can speak openly. The collapses, the more three one series collapses than anybody else in NBA history. That has come in far more recent memory than that whole 2008 championship that he won with the Boston Celtics. I have never seen anybody live off of a ring more than Doc Rivers, right? And 
I don't understand this higher because fine, whatever happened with Adrian Griffin, I, I mean, I don't understand how it could have gone so south in 40 something games, which was the entire length of Adrian Griffin's career as a head coach in the NBA, which by the way, a job he had interviewed for something like 13 or 14 times over the years. He finally gets the, the job and it lasts, you know, what was it, 43 games, 48 right. games, whatever it 30 was. 30 and 13. He's actually got, you know, one of the best winning percentages in Bucks history. Well, of course he does, but given a small sample size, but of course he does. And so that's what's funny about this idea that it was this disaster. And I guess it was because of how it was going in the locker room. But at what point does the finger get pointed at Giannis? Or even to a lesser extent at Dane? Like at what point does that fall on the players and particularly the biggest superstar who's one of the phases of the league there who we all massively respect but right. also ran a championship coach out of town and now ran this dude out of town after 43 games and now entered Doc Rivers and I don't have any faith that Doc Rivers a coach who I just saw by the way not be able to get it done with multiple other superstars when they were together it's not like we haven't seen Doc try to do this recently because we just did right. in Philadelphia it didn't with work. teams that are some of the most talented to teams in the league and they've never been able to play at their best at the end you know I think that if the Bucks get knocked out early in the playoffs again Amber it's going to come back on Giannis and Dame at that point um, now they've got a little bit of a dock shield up but part of the reason why they pulled this off now is that I think the organization realized that those guys in particular did not respect the coach that they had actually a big hand in hiring at least Giannis did now Adrian Griffin gets the job they trade for Dame later right, on there, right. and so that kind of threw off a lot of the momentum and dynamic here but I also think it kind of shows me do you know what my record would have been if I was coaching the Milwaukee Bucks for the first 43 games Amber I'd have been 30 and 13 too. yeah <laughs> I, I, and I, I don't mean that like I can't do what these guys do in the playoffs and coaching from game to game motivating guys sets all of that but I could have said against the Detroit Pistons hey Giannis go dunk hey Dame go make a three and we're gonna win you know so to me I'm less it, looking at the record and more looking at what must be happening behind the scenes within the team dynamic well so that's it's, we're just left guessing that must be happening because we never saw Adrian Griffin get an opportunity to show us what he was capable of in a postseason with this team and we saw what it looked like last season with this team and they were supposed to be headed a different direction and like you said Giannis had everything to do with those conversations and now here we are and as a Heat fan dealing with that team I'm encouraged by the fact that Doc's there, frankly, in the postseason. Maybe that sounds bad, but I also am encouraged by what a mess it's been in Milwaukee because, again, it's not a mess in terms of the standings and it's not a mess in terms of the record, and maybe it won't end up being a mess uh, at the end of the season in terms of those guys just being so unbelievably talented that it won't matter, but it feels like the discord there has been a mess. And as a Heat fan that missed out on Dame once, uh -huh. it makes me feel a little happy about that. Because he seems a little less than happy there in Milwaukee. So Well, r r right now, they have to be better defensively. Like, that's where this has to start, okay? Because they're bad enough on that end of the floor where it's hard to take them seriously as a championship contender. Now, offensively, they're historically good 
which is why their record is what it is. But if you can't get stops consistently in the playoffs, you got no chance. Basically, you got to be a top 10 defensive team in order to have a real championship chance. And the Bucks are like 24th. They were like the worst but, in the league. You know, so and they're only <laughs> 30 teams in the league. And some of them are like the Pistons who have four wins right. this year. So it's hard to get worse than they've been on the defensive end of the floor. Wherever Fine, when they but had also Drew, you Holiday, got rid of Drew Holiday. Yeah. Well, maybe that move. I don't. I can't judge it yet because they haven't been to the playoffs. But certainly, Adrian Griffin is the one that's taken the fall for it. Yeah, he's taken the fall for it. I feel like anybody could have looked at this roster. In fact, we did uh, going into the season. Looked at this roster and said, "Where is the defense going to come from?" Giannis Antetokounmpo. He plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's pretty famous. He's also pretty influential. Here is Giannis on Doc Rivers now as his head coach. Yeah, obviously, coach. That's a, it's, it's a legend. You can tell, like, uh, he has great energy about him. You know, from the first meeting that we had to the second meeting that we had, it was all what about the team? How can we keep each other accountable? How can we touch one another? You know, how can we come together as a team? You know, how can we move the ball? Um, you know, uh, from just, you know, the energy that he has, it gives you it gives you a lot of confidence. Uh, I think it gives the locker room confidence. And um, I can't wait. I don't know. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies close. The whole thing with Doc, how he comes in as an advisor to Adrian Griffin, and then a few weeks later, the man's taking over Adrian Griffin's job and pushing him out. It all feels a little strange the way that things have been handled there in Milwaukee. We will see if it ends up being handled better on the court by the Milwaukee Bucks. They are playing against the Denver Nuggets tonight. We will keep you updated here on Amber and Ian on that live action and on all live action across the NBA. But coming up next with Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian tonight, is Dan Campbell to blame for the Lions collapse in the NFC championship game? That's next on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dan Campbell is certainly getting plenty of scrutiny. That sound courtesy of 97.1, the ticket. The voices, Aaron, have been very loud. Everyone is playing armchair coach about the Detroit Lions collapse in that NFC championship game, and somewhat rightfully so. I mean, we're talking about a team that came out in the first half completely dominant, shockingly dominant, up 17 points. And then they unraveled in the third quarter, outscored 17-0 in the worst point differential in a quarter in their entire season. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're a Lions fan, how long that's going to take you to recover from. But it is, and I don't mean to say this like I'm being patronizing. That has got to be one of the most brutal sports losses to 
over that that I can remember in recent memory. And I happened to work Amber in a market in Cleveland where, I mean, the drive, the fumble, the shot, the 1997 World Series. The the baseball team here is the only team that's lost two game sevens in extra innings and hasn't won a World Series since 1948. But the Detroit Lions are one of the most snake bit franchises in professional sports. Like the last time they had, a, they were this good that the night train lane was playing in the 1950s. Think about how different the world was. The Lions played in a game, Amber, with those stakes. So I guess I'm just curious, you know, from everybody's point of view, any sports fan's point of view, how do you get over a bad loss? Does it just take time? Here's or... how you get over it. I think you get over it by having hope and I think if you're a Lions fan and it, it we all understand it's incredibly hard to even get back to another NFC championship right but I think if you're a Lions fan the one thing you can kind of hang your hat on is that it felt like you were on a trajectory right and not necessarily that you had to make the Super Bowl this season or it's all over right I, if you're a Lions fan you can feel confident I would imagine that Dan Campbell did, in fact, turn this franchise around, which already, I mean, that's saying a hell of a lot for this sure. Detroit team. Something that a lot of people thought they'd never seen their entire lifetimes, frankly. And it seems to have actually occurred that you have a quarterback, that you have these pieces, that you have a pretty young team with some of these pieces. And so I think it's that hope that allows you to move forward, which isn't always the case when you suffer one of these epic sort of losses is sometimes it's the end of an error, the end of a coaching run or the end of the quarterback or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. you recognize that was your window and that was your only window. And if I'm a Lions fan, at least today, I don't feel like the window's closed yet. Okay. I, I, that's true, but you don't know for sure that you're going to be back. Like we were saying the same thing about the Jacksonville Jaguars when they blew an AFC championship game seven years ago or whatever it was. I mean, that franchise, you know, going even into this year, they haven't been back in that spot. They haven't gotten back to being six minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. I I guess what I would say to any Lions fan is I think that your team needed to grow up a little bit this year. Your coach in particular needs to mature a little bit. Um, and I you think he's going to, cause I that, also, that's, I see, wonder that's what I was going to ask you because I hope that upon proper reflection, okay. He's going to surround himself with a group of people that are going to help him stay aggressive, but reasonably aggressive and not do things that are just reckless, you know, and there's a difference. You can't say, oh, I love guys who are aggressive. You know, Martenzi Johnson's on with us earlier in the show, and he's like the Joker. He wants to watch the world burn. He wants everybody going for every fourth down. Amber, this isn't Madden 24 here. Okay, this is the NFC championship game. Sometimes punting, I hate to tell you, is the right thing to do. Sometimes kicking a field goal, not every time, it's the right thing to do. Part of this is he has, you know, he decides to go for it. They don't put the ball in their best player's hands in those situations. Like, where's Amon Ross St. Brown when it's fourth down? Why are you throwing to Josh Reynolds in the first place? So I think all of that goes into this. If I'm a Lions fan, one thing I'm trying to tell myself to help myself feel better is maybe we had to go through this pain in order to be really mentally tough enough to be ready to beat Mahomes, to take the next step, to actually be able to not just get to the Super Bowl, but also be able to win it. 
Josh Reynolds had a, an abysmal game and we're all playing the result on the back end, right? Because if, if it's a catch, if, if it wasn't dropped, we'd all be having a very different conversation. And I always, I think, caution making decisions that way because if you're Dan Campbell, you also don't want to lose your identity as a coach. You don't want to lose the things that have put the Lions in this situation to begin with. This is a team again, that a lot of people thought would never see in an NFC championship game in their entire lifetimes. And they're here. And that falls a lot on Dan Campbell and his style and the way that everyone has bought into that system. This is me saying this. I am not one who is overly high on Dan Campbell. Now, I'm not saying I'm critical. Obviously, at this point, I have to admit he's a good coach. But I also felt like he got really trendy after they did hard knocks. Everybody loved the sound bites. I think he's a very likable person, especially in that particular world, because Dan Campbell just exudes football, right? He's like, our, like if we were creating you know, a, a character in a TV show right. of what football would be, Dan yeah. Campbell would be that character. And so we all like him, Nails I think, for, for- Breakfast, nails for lunch, yes. nails like for dinner. Football, right. you know? Yeah, right, yeah. And we love it about Dan Campbell. And and I think because of that, because of sort of that likability in the that particular world, mm-hmm. everyone wanted to crown him really soon. And I had a hard time with it, especially last year. People were doing, there was, it was a trendy pick for a lot of our analysts going into the season. And I'm like, what are they seeing that I'm not? And of course that did tend to end up being a a season too soon. And then this season again, and it's been a hell of a run for the lions. And, And again, Dan Campbell obviously did a good job, but also it shouldn't be shocking that Dan Campbell in the end gets out coached by Kyle Shanahan. That's a coach that we yeah. do all believe in. That is more tried and true that the, the resume is there, that the body of work is there. Who the also was a there. part of a 28 to three blown there. lead in the Super Bowl. That's right? true. So right. maybe, That's true. maybe part of Kyle getting to this point that now is he's learning. going to is, is having gone through that and also blowing a 10 point lead in the Super Bowl four years ago. I'll just quickly uh, for me, the the loss that has been the hardest for me to get over, when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, Amber, to go to Miami, <laughs> I couldn't sleep for two or three days. <laughs> just, just because I knew how much he meant to the city oh, and the community and all that. And I also knew what it meant to my career. Like, I felt like it was a blow... It was bigger than basketball, so but it was also a mine. Blow. I didn't know that, that anybody so sports center would ever want to talk to me again um, after that. As far as that a game so goes, like that, you have that moment when you wake up the next day after your team blows a huge game and you forgot that it happened, and you're lying in bed, you're sort of half awake, half asleep, and you turn over and maybe you look at your phone, and then it hits you again that that was real life that you had a 17-point lead at the half, that your coach went for it twice on fourth down and should have kicked field goals in it. And I just, I I felt it myself enough times covering sports in this market, growing up around it. Like, you know, you just know that it, the first few days in particular just stink. And then the highlights, they're not going to be able to get away from this for two weeks. Every time they turn on the TV, they're going to be going back and talking about football. To me, the key for the Lion fan is you got to get through the Super Bowl. And I don't know that you can watch the Super Bowl. Will there be one Super Bowl party ember in Detroit? No. No. I, well, yeah, people will still party, but it, it'll be like a somber party. It'll be we should have been there party, you know. But I think it'll be still the lowest rated the Super Bowl in Detroit but, history. The city yeah. with the lowest Super Bowl ratings is going to be Detroit. Yeah, it's Michigan. not going to be a fun watch because they're going to feel like that was theirs and it was in their hand. And it's the way that they let it slip away. I, 
these losses are devastating. I would imagine that the fear still very much exists for Lions fans that they're not going to get another opportunity here. I mean, he's a, even as a Dolphins fan, and we're not as embattled by any means as Lions fans, but as a Dolphins fan, I mean, we still haven't won a playoff game, a playoff game right. since 2000. I mean, we're still talking 24 years it's been. Yeah. I, it, it's amazing. Yep. It's the longest streak now in the NFL. And Right. It's and what rough. Is it, what does when it mean I to you that they had they, an undefeated season before you were born? Like that's that eh, doesn't carry a lot. Everyone of weight. talks about it. It's great. They still pop the champagne. Yada yada blah blah blah. It, yeah, it doesn't carry that much weight. I didn't see it. Right. And so it, you know the history's there. That's great and all. And obviously there were some other good years in there. We made it to a postseason, and then we lost the game this. And it's so disappointing because it's like another that we finally felt like we had turned things around that we had the coach, that we had the offense, that we had the pieces, and then you saw what happened this season. That was wildly disappointing. But again, there is some semblance of hope moving forward. And I do think it's hope that ends up getting you through that. When LeBron leaves your franchise, there isn't the hope on the back end. And so for me, I think that's much, much worse. As somebody who also LeBron left her franchise, uh, that was very disheartening as well when he went back to you guys. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian is the beef between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a Ravens player a big deal? That's next here on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. We'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Aaron Goldhammer filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons here on Amber and Ian. Let's play some big deal, not a big deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Amber and Ian? Amber and Ian and Tara, who's filling in tonight for James Steele. Tara, I always get a little nervous around your last name. Sledjeski? Nailed it. Oh, I feel so good about myself right now, Aaron. So Aaron's in the saddle. Tara's in the saddle. Rachel Robinson, also our AP on the board tonight. How do you feel, we're Aaron Goldhammer? We're all riding horses because we're all in the you are. saddle. With I, you. I know. It's weird. And I don't even, like, I don't, I don't ride horses. So I don't know what I'm always doing there with the things that connote horse riding. I don't know what I'm doing. It just feels appropriate. Uh-huh. What I was going to mention to you, Aaron Goldhammer, is you've been in this business for a very long time, like I have been. How many times have you had your co-host, producer, and associate producer all be females in this business? Um, probably this is the first, I'm guessing. There you go. Yeah. So and we're making what, 20 we're years making in the business. Gender, we're making gender history. Actually, what's amazing is that you guys are all good at your jobs and I'm terrible at mine. <laughs> So I feel like you should well, you're also kind of screwing your... it up. I guess yeah, if I feel in tonight should be a woman, really. Uh, if, if we really want to make history. But uh, here we are with Aaron Goldhammer instead. I guess it'll do. All right, Tara, what do you have for us with Big Deal, Not a Big Deal? 
About 90 minutes before kickoff of the AFC Championship game, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes took exception to Ravens kicker Justin Tucker stretching close to where Mahomes was warming up. Videos showed Mahomes twice tossing Tucker's kicking tee aside and then Kelsey kicking some of Tucker's footballs off to the side and flinging his helmet off the field. Here's what Tucker had to say about the situation on Monday. I've been doing the exact same thing for 12 years. Never really had a problem with anybody. Yeah, that's just that's just kind of the way, the way we've always done it and the way uh, kickers around the league have always done it. Um, you know, and I, I saw Patrick there trying to warm up and get some drop back. So uh, he asked me while I was on the ground stretching, like, if I could move my helmet. So I happily got up and I moved my helmet out of the way. At least I thought it was enough out of the way. And then Travis comes over and he just kicks my stuff and he throws my helmet. And I just thought it was all just some gamesmanship Um you know, all in good fun, but they seem to be taken a little bit more seriously, and uh, I'm I'm totally willing to let it all go. But yeah, I just wanted to explain that that's just you know what I've done for 12 years, and it's it's not like I'm out there trying to be problematic. I'm just trying to get ready for the football game, just like they are. So, Aaron, I ask you. Is it a big deal or not a big deal? What went down between Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tucker before the game on Sunday? I would say absolutely big deal. I think the Chiefs punked the Ravens in their own house, and I think they got them on tilt before kickoff. Like I think all of this gamesmanship, as Justin Tucker put it, led to four personal foul penalties and the Ravens coming a little bit unhinged in terms of their approach and their game plan, and I thought it was brilliant psychological warfare by Kansas City. I definitely, Amber, thought this was a big deal. I thought it was a big deal, but simply because Mahomes and Kelsey looked like bleep holes. I, I, I'm just going to say, I mean, this was bully stuff. I, I didn't like it at all. I don't actually think it's why they end up winning the game, frankly. I mean, it didn't come down to some sort of Justin Tucker, you know, 50-yard field goal and and this was the mind warfare they had played on Tucker before the game. It just felt like two bullies out there taking it to the kicker because he's a kicker. Like it felt like some weird football, like kickers aren't real players thing, you know, that football players do. And it's Justin Tucker. I mean, it's, it's not like just some schmo. It's, it's Justin freaking Tucker. I, I felt like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey should have more respect for somebody else who's been in the league that long and has the resume at his position of that guy. And maybe they don't like kickers generally, but this is how the game exists. And I, I, I honestly, it made me dislike this Kansas City run even more. I cannot wait to root against those guys in the Super Bowl. And I'm sure, I'm sure Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey will win it anyways. Go ahead, Tara. The Philadelphia Eagles are hiring former Chargers and Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Amber, big deal, not a big deal. I mean, I don't know. I, I it's Oh, I guess it's a big deal because it's the Eagles and because they're trying to right the ship. But we also saw how the change at coordinators went for the Eagles this past season. Uh, Kellen Moore was, I think, good with the Cowboys. It got a little weird there at the end, though, because you saw the head coach. You saw the head coach of the Cowboys not care for him there and his style, right? And and then he goes to the Chargers, and then was it good there? I, is this the thing that's going to turn the Eagles around, Darren, and, and get them back over that hump for Jalen? I don't know. I think they erred in not firing Sirianni because I think if they get off to a slow start this coming year that they're going to have to 
And I don't know who would want to join this staff necessarily because of that. I, I, I guess I like the defensive coordinator hire with Fangio better than Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's coming off of basically, Amber, two seasons where he got fired, one in Dallas and one with the Chargers. And in both places, he had franchise quarterbacks in Dak Prescott and Justin Herbert. So I'm not overly impressed by him. I also think that he's a pass first, pass second, pass third kind of offensive coordinator and the Eagles are at their best when they're being physical and running the ball and tush pushing and brotherly shoving and so I think it's an odd fit to try to get Jalen Hurts back on track so I guess I'd say that that this is a big deal because I I'm not exactly bullish on the Philadelphia Eagles heading into next year especially when you think about the way they played at the end of the season Amber in December and January they were the worst team in football there was nobody worse Tara The Cleveland Browns have hired former Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey to be their new offensive coordinator. So let's head to Cleveland. Aaron, is this a big deal or not a big deal? Well, everybody in Ohio knows Ken Dorsey because he blew that national championship game to Ohio State back in 2002. <laughs> oh, God. You didn't bring that up. It's brutal for Canes fans. What are you doing? I mean, yeah, but it's how everybody knows Ken Dorsey. Oh. Ken Dorsey also played quarterback for the Browns, Amber, where he threw zero touchdowns and seven interceptions. So that welcome doesn't, that back. That doesn't make him a bad coordinator, though. Look, let me let me tell you what I think about this. They, they have a guy that worked with Cam in Carolina and got his career going in the right direction and then worked with Josh Allen in Buffalo and got his career going in the right direction. They need somebody who's going to unlock Deshaun Watson, and that's going to be Ken Dorsey's job. So in that sense, I think this has the potential to be a big deal, although, you know, I think it also has the potential to not be a big deal. Amber, incredible analysis from me. (laughs) Wow, that was a really hedging things there from our Cleveland insider uh, Aaron Goldhammer here filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. I will say... I will say it's a big deal, but in full disclosure, I like Ken Dorsey a lot. Kenny used to come on my local show all the time uh, when I had a local show down in Miami. Uh, He was very good and very generous with his time. So I'm a big Ken Dorsey fan, so I'm not objective here whatsoever. I will say, though, that I think people forget because of the way that it ended there in Buffalo that he was the quarterback's coach of Josh Allen Right. As well. And there were a lot of good years there that he spent. And there's a reason that he became the OC there in Buffalo. And I feel like he also became the fall guy, frankly, there in Buffalo as well. So we'll see what it looks like. I, I in think Cleveland. that's fair. But I'll just add that when they canned him and brought over uh, Brady to be yeah, the then offensive they got the coordinator, yeah. then they got a bump and they got a lot better. So uh. I, I don't know that I want him calling plays, but I think he can be part of the answer to getting Deshaun Watson back on track to being a top NFL quarterback. Somebody has to find an answer to that. Got one more for you tonight. Amber, you mentioned before that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are probably going to win the Super Bowl anyway. But the big question is, will Taylor Swift be in attendance for Super Bowl 58? She has concerts scheduled in Tokyo from February 7th to 10th. The Super Bowl's in Las Vegas on February 11th. Because of the international dateline, as long as Swift's flight from Japan leaves before 6 p.m. local time on the 11th, she should make it to Las Vegas before kickoff for the Super Bowl. At least that's my understanding of all this really complicated math. So, Amber, is it a big deal or not a big deal? 
Uh, I would say it's not a big deal because although for the normal person, this would be impossible, she is Taylor Swift. And I do think we probably still underestimate how exhausting it is to travel in that scenario, even when it involves private jets, Aaron. But the truth is it involves private, it involves private jets. And I would imagine not just like regular old PJs. Okay. But like the nicest PJs money can buy. And those things probably get from Japan to the U S in whatever time you, one can do that, uh, and still, you know, not be in a military jet. So I feel like T Swift is going to be fine. She's also probably got like a shower on this jet. This is just the life I imagine she lives in. Anyways, and she's probably also has a makeup artist on it. So she could have her stylist and her makeup artist right there, ready to go. She gets off the jet, cleans herself up. She looks perfect and beautiful, heads into the game to support her boyfriend. Bada bing, bada boom. It does sound wild to like commute to the Super Bowl from Tokyo. (laughs) Like that's a big ask. Everything has to go perfect in order for it to happen. But you're Taylor Swift. Right. I mean, she is. Taylor you couldn't Swift ask a and... normal girlfriend. Like if no, Travis no, Kelsey was dating no, anybody but Taylor Swift. She also, after Tokyo. the Super Bowl, her next shows are a few days later, but her next shows are then in Melbourne, Australia. Oh so she's going to have to go from Tokyo you know to what? Las Vegas oh to Australia. Oh you know my. what, Travis? I'm, I love you, but you got Mahomes. You're going to be playing in the Super Bowl again next year. Sorry, I'm missing it. She better love him. That's like, we might love you. Like she better really love him uh, because that's the only way that she's doing that. Yeah. That's brutal. I she'll do it. She'll be there, but I, I I don't envy. I envy her for many things in life, uh, just not from that travel schedule that she's going to have to have to get to the Super Bowl. coming up next year on Amber and Ian with Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian. What NBA superstar is getting closer and closer to not qualifying for league MVP? A dude to put up a whole lot of points the other night. That's next on ESPN radio. Get you updated on some of the NBA action happening right now. The Phoenix Suns have been just Sticking it to my Miami Heat, 110 to 97. What's new? Uh, My Heat look like garbage. Uh, The Lakers are losing to the Rockets, 101 to 80 right now. The Doc Rivers bump that the Milwaukee Bucks got. This is his head coaching debut with the Bucks. It lasted a very brief period of time. Uh, The Nuggets now on top in that game, 36 to 34. Later tonight. 76ers will take on the Trailblazers. 10 p.m. tip in that game. Joel Embiid will not be playing in that game, Aaron Goldhammer, which is maybe a little bit interesting because Joel Embiid is only five games away from not qualifying for an MVP. Five missed games away from not qualifying under those relatively new NBA rules to get another MVP here the reigning MVP and he's been playing at an MVP level this season when he actually plays, but here we are and there's a whole lot of season left. Feels pretty reasonable that Joel Embiid is going to miss five more than five games. Uh, Ember, does it, is it relevant to you that he's scoring more points per minute than any player in NBA history? Like, is this a stat that is meaningful to you or not? No. Is it meaningful to you? Um, per minute? He's on a list that like Wilt Chamberlain is on and that's it. And when you see that, you're like, wait a second, no one's done this in 50, 60 years, what he's doing. That being said, it's hard for me to take Joel Embiid serious for two reasons. One is he's never even made a conference finals. And until I actually see that happen, I'm just going to assume that he's going to flame out in the playoffs again. 
And then the other one is he doesn't stay healthy. When he didn't show up for the game on Saturday in Denver, was very disappointing to me. And I thought it was a bad look, actually, Amber, for the entire league because everybody was looking forward to him and Jokic going toe-to-toe. And for him to not be on the injury report and then all of a sudden just decide to sit the game out with quote-unquote knee soreness, like this whole narrative about load management and player participation policy. And if I was Adam Silver, I'd have been embarrassed on Saturday night. By the way, Embiid is on pace, like you said, to set that new NBA record for points per minute played at 1.05. Through 32 games, he had 1,156 points over 1,096 minutes. So he's scoring over a point a minute. And obviously, quite a bit of that has to do with the 70 that he put up in however many minutes it was i lost it in front of me yeah. but against uh, san antonio which it's typical Embiid for him to put up 70 against a team that's horrible and might not win 10 games this year and then uh to go to denver and not play against nikola Jokic because that's, that's always what happens every time they're there so and right and that that feels a little bit like the story of joel Embiid. last season i was really convinced that all Embiid gave a damn about was winning the mvp and mm-hmm. i still remain very convinced of that and i felt Like you saw that even with his reaction to winning the MVP, it was like mission accomplished. And then you saw what happened to the 76ers in a postseason. Winning a back-to-back one, if it was that important to him, focus-wise, I don't think we'd already be at a place where he's just five missed games away for not qualifying, or you would at least hope that we wouldn't be in this position. So it feels like that's not his focus this season, which that should be a good thing. I would think if you're a 76ers fan, because maybe then his focus is back on doing the one thing he hasn't actually done there in Philadelphia. And that's, you know, win a championship, which is really what 76ers fans care about. Nobody doubts the greatness of Joel Embiid. I do think it's a terrible look for the NBA that you didn't get that matchup, that you get these guys still just refusing to play on the biggest stages on the biggest nights. Right. They're very clearly still load managing. And we saw some semblance of correction early in the season because of that in season tournament. I mean, there was some of that where it felt like these guys were playing more and wet, but the second that thing was over, Aaron, we went back to business as usual. And even dangling things like the MVP over these guys doesn't seem to matter once they have won at least one. I would agree. And I I had buddies, you know, the game was in Denver. I had buddies that had spent hundreds of dollars on tickets because I grew up there, Amber, and they were furious and their kids were really unhappy. And I don't know how much the league, you know, they want to take money out of players' pockets for that, but they don't want to refund the money that my buddy spent on him and his two kids going to the game on Saturday afternoon. So, I mean, and really, to be honest, they should because the product is just not there. Well, they they shouldn't because you don't want to have to do that with with players getting injured, right? Like you can see the slippery slope there from the league perspective. We're not going to refund all the tickets every time a player is injured. How do we designate who the important players are that actually sell the tickets and who aren't? Don't we we know degrading the other players? Then come on, like this to me was it's 15 minutes before the game starts. The guy warmed up, everything was going normal, and all of a sudden. Up there goes Joel Embiid. He's not going to as as if sitting him against the Denver Nuggets in January is going to prevent him from inevitably getting hurt in May, which he does every year, whether he plays 85 regular season games or 40 regular season. Right. And all the statistics and given, yes, I'm sure that these statistics are coming from the NBA because you have to also consider whenever you get statistics and you get reports, who do they benefit? Nevertheless, it doesn't make them untrue. Uh, The benefit of the NBA here is 
the statistics do show that this load management crap that we have been dealing with, and that's not a word I say often, but this this load management nonsense that we have been dealing with for years now, Aaron, it doesn't actually result in better health overall for these players, that it doesn't actually result in being healthy in the postseason. It doesn't actually help here with the longevity uh, from that perspective, at least not in a microcosm. Now, is it one of the reasons that LeBron James in a macro perspective has had the longevity of his career? I don't know. That's maybe a separate conversation, but year to year, the -hmm. statistics don't seem to support the injury level is the same, even with load management existing. It's a big problem for the NBA. I think the bigger problem here, and a lot of this has to fall on the commissioner because yes, Adam Silver's done some good things, but Adam Silver is a player's commissioner and he is sure. weak on some of these fronts and he is very, very weak on this front, even though he's trying to find sort of diplomatic ways to deal with this. And the problem here is the late scratch for me because fine. If Joel Embiid doesn't want to play because he's scared of competition, I mean, <clears throat> cough, cough, uh, load management, whatever. He wants or to rest his body. Or, yeah, or whatever. whatever the hell. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But you got to tell everybody, you know, five days in advance or whatever it is. Otherwise, there's some huge consequence unless you get you know, medically designated by two independent doctors or whatever. Like there got, there has to be some sort of system that's put in place to stop this crud. It there uh, really I mean, does. I, I, and I'm, I'm serious. Like my buddy's like, what about, you know, a $10 meal voucher or something, you know, like we, you pay all this money up until 15 minutes before tip. You think you're watching these two big men go toe to toe, the last couple of MVPs in the NBA. We were hyping har- it up here on they, ESPN they har- Radio. Yeah, the, 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 they hardly ever actually face off against each other. I mean, the, le- the least you could do if you're the league is throw everybody a free soda or a bunch of chicken fingers, or, you know, because you got to cater to those customers. Amber, the other thing that's going on here is if I'm one of these television networks like ours that's going into this negotiation with the NBA, I'm like, hey, we promote in a promo for weeks and weeks and weeks on television and radio that this is Jokic against Embiid. Then you pull the rug out from under us and kill the product? You can't do that. Because I don't think that the NBA is strong on their stances, frankly, when they need to be against players to an extent. I think it is going to end up having to come from the pressure from the networks. Like That's the only way I see this problem actually getting fixed because the NBA has to do something here to make sure these guys actually play for the health of the overall product. Coming up next, game night with Q Myers and Emmett Golden here on ESPN Radio.